Hunting Overtime is here to assist you with the knowledge and skills to help you be successful in the field. Established with the listener in mind, this podcast is dedicated to providing as much helpful information as possible to help you achieve your outdoor goals. From whitetail to elk and everything in between, I'm here to provide my insights and give you the ability to try them in the field. I'm your host, Brian Shoning. And this is Hunting Overtime. Hey everybody, welcome back to Hunting Overtime. Man, it feels like it's been a long time since I've been sitting here in front of this microphone, but I've had a few podcasts dished out to you here that weren't necessarily sitting here in front of this microphone, but it it does feel great great to be back here sitting in front of the computer with a good microphone in front of me. I know I did some on the road and... Actually, I did quite a few on the road. Um, I did one while I was setting trail cameras. And then I did another one off of uh, a YouTube video that I actually posted on the Seasons Media YouTube channel about my pack dump from my elk hunt. So that was a pretty sweet one. You should check that one out if you haven't already. But we've had a lot going on. We've been, uh, I guess I have been elk hunting and deer hunting and my brother with the seasons media Tyler he's been doing some antelope hunting as well and plenty of family time recently which has been awesome this last weekend I actually went out and for the first time in like I don't know probably two years played around a golf with my father-in-law so that was fun had some guys come down that actually we uh, bear hunted with they were from Wisconsin, and they were out here archery hunting for for some deer, and they were in town for, oh, about a week, something like that, somewhere right in there. And anyways, they took, took a uh, little late morning and early afternoon break from hunting and came and we played some golf, and that was a lot of fun. Good to catch up with some guys that I haven't seen, and quite a few years and who uh, really went out of their way to make my black bear hunt a success back when I did that. I can't even remember what year that was. Probably four, five years ago now. It's crazy to think about, but it's been probably four years, actually. So that's a cool story, too. I had, they uh, hooked me up and really helped me out. They had, you shoot them over bait or where we were hunting, you shoot them over bait there in Wisconsin. Um, and they had everything rigged up, and it was like having your own personal outfitter just focused on you, which was really awesome. So my father-in-law and I actually went up there. We both ended up shooting bears out of the same stand, actually, which was kind of a crazy story. I was hunting for the biggest bear they had on camera, and they I just never saw him. He never came in. And finally, well, the very first morning, my father-in-law shot one. Like, just a few hours on stand, he shot one. And then we ended up getting pictures on that exact same camera a few days later after I had sat for, what did I end up figuring? I sat for 36 hours straight. Obviously, I slept at night, but... So I was spending, there was like, it was like 13 hour days, I believe, 
and I almost sat for three full days and didn't see a bear and then they switched me stands and I went in and ended up shooting this bear and actually thought I messed it up I was it was kind of a it's a raised blind it was up on like REA poles and I was sitting there and I was concealed and everything and I was looking at my phone and well this bear pops out and get all excited get ready and it starts to actually walk away and I was so mad at myself I because I didn't actually see it come out of the woods because my nose was in my phone well I was just sure somehow some way I messed that up by being on my phone and I was just so angry with myself but it actually ended up going into the woods to the south and then turned back around and came right back up the road and came right in I shot it at like 15 yards so that was an awesome story but anyways great guys was super excited to be able to meet back up with them and play some golf with them and just hang out and catch up so that was a blast but anyways what I got for you today is I'm going to give you a recap of my elk hunt I didn't actually have a tag this year uh, my buddy Chad and his brother Cole both great friends. Chad, I actually went to college with. He was my roommate in college. You guys have heard him. He's been on the podcast uh, for sure once. A couple times. Yeah, he's been on a couple podcasts with me. So, great friend. Great hunting buddy. But anyways, they both had tags. So I went headed out there. And we went into... Well, our intent was to go into the backcountry for three days. That didn't pan out. So what happened is we actually, we got to our spot, we had it all scoped out, went ahead, went into the backcountry, I don't know, we didn't go crazy far back in, mile and a half maybe, but we were back in a wilderness area, and then intended to hike back even further, and it was some country that we knew was rough, but we intended to see more elk than what we did, but... Anyways, we got hiked back in there in the dark, got camp all set up, and then in the morning we went ahead and we climbed climbed up the mountain. We gained 900 vertical feet that first morning, and it just wasn't quite what we expected, I guess. I will say, and we all agreed on it, we probably got up a little bit later than we should have, and it's not like we were trying to sleep in or anything, it was just we underestimated how long it was going to take to actually climb that mountain. So that was one mistake that we made. But we did get up there. We didn't hear a bugle all morning. No bugles. It was hot. But we got up to the top and there was a sign. We actually, craziest thing, we none of us had ever seen it before. We got up to the top and you could very clearly tell there was an area there where bulls had been sparring. They'd been fighting. There was antler marks all over the ground. Everything was roughed up. And we were standing there and Cole actually noticed there was blood on the ground. And we looked at it a little bit, followed it a little bit. And the only conclusion that we could come to was one of those bulls actually got, took a horn a little deep and drew blood, which was kind of crazy because we'd never seen anything like that before. But 
after that, we kept on going. We didn't really go up. We kind of side hilled around and we were just trying to find sign, more sign. We followed tracks into the woods there of those bulls. And we were definitely close to elk. We were in them some, or they had been there, I guess. We weren't really in them. We never saw them. But they had been there recently. It was there. If you've ever been elk hunting, there's a very distinct elk smell. And you could really smell elk in multiple spots. So the hiking wasn't a whole lot of fun. So then from there, we dropped down probably another, I don't know, 400 feet, vertical feet. And then back up another four or five on the other side of the river. And yeah, it just, it was rough. And there just wasn't any elk talking or and it was hot. And we just didn't really know the area real well. I do think that if we would have spent time and learned the area, there are some big bulls in there. There's some really big bulls in there. It's some really big country, and big country is going to hold big bulls because people don't mess with big country. So if you're willing to put in that effort there, yeah, there's big bulls in there, but it's not going to be easy. And not to say that we weren't up to the challenge, but the problem was we did only have three days. So we had Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and we had to get something done and try to get on more elk that we were talking. So we went ahead and packed out. We went back to camp, packed our stuff up because um, we only had three days. On the way in, I actually lost the microphone off the video camera. And that was a little upsetting. The microphone is kind of expensive deal. And so on the way out, we made sure we tried to look for that. And somehow, I have no idea how this even happened, but we happened to come across it. We were hiking down the trail. Not actually anywhere close to where I thought I lost it. When I lost it the night before in the dark, I stopped and searched and searched where I thought I had lost it, and I never found it. And we looked again in the daylight, and it wasn't there. And somehow, we were walking by this brush, and just Chad happened to see it inside the brush. And it was talk about a relief that was like the best part of the morning for sure because we hadn't seen any elk or heard any elk and so getting that was a for sure win for the day but so from there we actually went into town regathered regrouped came up with a little bit of a game plan and they decided they were going to take me out to this spot that Every single time they had went, they saw elk. And so they were like talking it up, talking it up. They're like, it's crazy. You're never going to believe this. You're not going to believe there's elk here. And obviously, like when you tell people stuff like that, you get to those places and it's not what you explained or expressed. So all I could think of is, all right, well, these guys, they're bragging this thing up. They're going to take me out there, and we're not going to see anything whatsoever. There's going to be no elk. There's going to be no sign of elk. There's no, you're not going to hear elk. There's just going to be nothing. Well, we get out there, and just like they had told me, they're like, it's the craziest thing. It's just like sagebrush and junipers, and, and uh, this is in an area like it's heavily wooded, 
it's a heavy wooded forest and or what we had been hunting is heavily wooded and it's just big nasty mountain country and now all of a sudden we're down here at, I don't even know the elevation but not what you would think of for elk country and there's hay fields hay meadows and things like that there's pivots there's like I said, sagebrush and junipers and just rolling hills and they're not mountains. It just doesn't seem like a place where near where we were that would hold elk. And they're just bragging this place up and I kid you not, we walk up, Cole tells us, he goes, you just go sit in this one spot and you see elk. It's just how it works every single time. Well, Chad and I fall a little bit behind Cole's up front he goes up there and he's sitting up there on this on this overlooked spot and next thing you know he's turning around waving at us there's like there's an elk so we get up go running up there and he kind of gives me a stop and go with hand signals until I can crest the top and sure enough there probably 150 yards there's a bull elk not a crazy big bull elk, but a beautiful elk, a raghorn, and that thing ended up coming into 60 yards. We didn't get any shot on him. He was hard quartered to us, and there just wasn't a good shot. He ended up busting us and took off out of there, but he was probably there for a handful, five, ten minutes or so. We got to just sit there and watch this elk, which was so awesome. But it was just the craziest thing. It never works out like that. Somebody never types up a spot like that and then takes you there and it's like that immediately or it's exactly what they described. That just doesn't seem to ever happen. But I was glad it did. That was super cool. We got some super great uh, video footage of him. And yeah, that, that video is actually posted already on the YouTube channel. So if you're not... Or if you haven't, go check that out. That's a good video. We'd love you to subscribe. So throw some support to the Seasons Media there. So I appreciate all that. We put in a lot of work putting those videos together for YouTube. And yeah, we, we get a lot of views. But we'd love more. And we'd love your feedback on things we can do better too. We always want to keep improving. So, But anyways, after that, we actually back back out of there and so that was like early afternoon and then come evening time Chad and I took off to another spot little lower elevation yet but it was a little more mountainous and we got on a whole bunch of elk again the problem with these elk is we were actually on one side of a meadow and they were on the other side and there was no way for us to get to the other side without crossing an opening or going clear out and around miles and miles around maybe not miles and miles but over a mile around and we actually just didn't have time to do that because of the uh, sunset we just didn't have daylight left so we weren't able to do that but we did make a game plan that we would go in to the backside of that same spot in the morning where we watched them go into the timber. Because there was a 
really good bowl with this group. Um, and they had been seeing an even bigger bowl right in this area. So we knew there was a possibility of, and a great opportunity of good bulls being in there. So we went ahead and we actually went back to town and slept in town that night. Uh, in hope we just planned on getting a good night's sleep and we didn't really plan on staying in the country overnight where we were going in the morning. So went ahead, went into town, stayed in town, got up the next morning and headed back out there and just got flat skunked that morning. That was actually the worst morning of hunting. Uh, didn't see anything, didn't hear anything. There was no sign. Only positive out of this, we found a deer deadhead. But it was chalk white, so it wasn't even a new deadhead. So very uh, low morning, very unsuccessful, uh, uneventful morning. But so what we decided then from there is we're going to pack into another wilderness area, a different one than the first place we went. And we're going to pack in there in the early afternoon. We're going to hunt that evening. We'll stay the night there and then we'll hunt it again in the morning. And our idea there was that we could just get far enough back where off the beaten path from everybody that's just hitting that trailhead so we'd be able to get further back we'd be able to get as further back that evening or that afternoon as people would be able to while they were hunting so our goal was to get clear back there stay and then go further back to hunt and it was a success we i'm not going to get you too excited we did not get a bull on the ground which stinks obviously that's our goal but we had some amazing encounters. So when we went back in there, we got packed in there a little over a mile and filled our uh, hydration bladders and our filters and stuff with water, crossed the river there, filled up, took off a little bit further, and we were actually going to keep going, but we looked up and we actually bumped a bowl out of this pocket. So we stopped. We decided we were just going to set camp right there. We are going to let that bull settle down. So we are going to take a half hour, 45 minutes, let that bull settle down and take off back after him. So we got camp all set up. Chad and I are both running hammock setups. We really like those setups. We just like to be off the ground, to be honest with you. We do both have rain flies, so that's not a worry. Uh, I had an under quilt, so that wasn't a big deal. Chad had a really good sleeping bag. And he didn't ever get warm on his backside. So we really like our hammock setups. And I don't think either of us would would uh, go away from it. But anyways, we uh, got camp set up. Waited, just laid down for a little bit, rested for a while. And then decided, all right, well, it was getting a little later in the evening. Not late in the evening, but it was in that time where we wanted to make sure we were getting out there. And... Got everything loaded up, took off back out there, and it wasn't it wasn't 300 yards from where we set up camp that we ended up running into another bull. I can't remember. I think we busted him first. But we busted one for or one busted us first. 
I don't think he smelled us. And I guess we, we couldn't ever confirm that it was a bull. We just assumed it was. We then heard bugles and kind of started working that way. And we had a little excitement right there. Chad saw a bull coming right at us through the timber. And he got down, got his arrow knocked, everything like that. And those of you who have been elk hunting know that for as big as an animal as they are, it's so crazy how quiet they can be in the woods and then how they can just disappear. You see them one second and that stuff is thick enough, they're dark enough, they're, they camouflage right in good enough that all of a sudden they're just gone and you don't know where they went. And that's kind of what happened on this one. We thought he was coming right at us. He went behind some trees and never came back out. So we're not real sure exactly what happened right there. But we know it was a branch antler bull. We didn't really know what or how big it was. But we knew it was probably one that we were going to shoot if it came in. But from there we kept moving. We ran into a more elk a little bit later. Didn't ever get close enough where we felt like we were going to be a great success. Definitely smelled elk. It was all through there. The country just looked amazing. And one thing we noticed that was different from all the other areas that we had been in. In this area, we had had the most elk sign. This area had the least black bear sign out of anywhere that we had went. So the first night... The first night when we hiked in and then hunted the 900 foot elevation gate in the morning, there was just black bear sign everywhere. There was black bear um, scat just all over the trails. Anywhere you walked, there was black bear scat. This was the first place we had went where we had not seen any. So I don't know if that was what was keeping the elk there. We weren't. We weren't any higher elevation, so that wasn't it. But, Or maybe there was the, there's just vegetation there that we weren't able to see the difference in. I'm not for sure. But there was something about this spot that it had that the others didn't. The other thing I will say is there was more water in this area. And for as dry and hot as this summer was, and actually still is, uh, water was... A big deal so there was some wallows it was the first wallows we had seen first streams and standing water things like that so I'm sure that had a huge toll on it too but anyways the real excitement oops, sorry about that the real excitement came when it started to get a little bit dark we were getting close to dark and the bugles just started going off and there was one on the other side of the meadow from us probably half mile away and we decided we were going to chase after it so we got over there and we got within I don't know he had to be within 80 we never saw him but he was screaming his head off at us and hindsight thinking back on it I still think that maybe we could have got a little more aggressive and it's so hard to do in the moment and I haven't been around enough elk kills to 
be able to feel confident with it, I guess. But I know listening to a lot of the guys, they talk about just being, you can be aggressive with elk. They, t- they actually talk about whitetail hunters who are trying to be timid. Well, I've been a whitetail hunter my whole life, so maybe that's my problem. But anyways, I know I got to make that, I got to break that barrier and be able to be a little bit more aggressive because elk are big and they will make noise and that doesn't necessarily bother them. So rushing at them a little bit, even if they're at 80, if you can't see them, you can still keep moving towards them. So that's just something I got to get used to. Uh, I know they talk about if you get busted because they see you, it's not that big of a deal. Just don't let them smell you. There's some guys that believe that. And I just haven't been, like I said, I haven't been around enough to be able to speak 100% and be an expert on it. But I do know that that is kind of something that I have in my mind and that I remember and will remember about those scenarios is that maybe you can just be a little bit more aggressive when you got a bull screaming and chuckling and everything at you. So, But anyways, he started moving away and another bugle actually popped off back towards by where we were camped. So we headed back, sprinted our butts back across the meadow. and This was probably the biggest or the deepest growly bull bugle that I think I've ever heard. And so I'm just, we were both just, Chad and I, confident that this is a big bull. We never saw it. It had to be within 60 yards, just screaming its head off at us. And we could not have been any closer. It was right at last light. And finally, I had lost camera light. That's how late it was. I had lost camera light. And we were just like right at that very last minute. And finally, Chad and I decided, hey, it's past time. It's past past shooting light and we're just going to let him go because we didn't feel like it was going to be the ethical thing to try to lure him in anymore that night because we weren't going to be able to take a good shot anyways. So so yeah, that stunk, but it was very cool. We learned a lot about, well, we learned a lot from that bull. He actually was... I mean, I'm sure he was probably the big old herb bull by the sounds of him. He just had that tone. But one thing he would not do, and for us to be able to shoot him because of the time of night and how dark it was, he had to come out into the opening. Because if we'd have went into the timber, even though we still technically would have been within shooting hours, we wouldn't have had enough shooting light just because the canopy of the forest would have taken away so much light. So we had to get him to come out into the open and he just wouldn't do it. You could tell he, he was ready. He was in there raking like crazy. He was chuckling loud, long bugles. He was ready to go. If, if a bull would have went up to him, he'd have fought him and he was ready to fight us. But he needed us to come into the timber and that just wasn't going to happen because we couldn't do anything once we got in there. 
And so that's, I guess, just how that bowl grows and gets big is being smart like that. But it was really cool to learn something like that, that those elk will do that. They're, they're smart enough that that big bull, he's not coming out in the, into the open. There's a reason they, those big bulls get those big old dark horns and they don't get sunlight. So yeah, that stinks. Awesome encounter. Just an absolutely amazing encounter. I can't stress that enough. And that encounter in itself was enough to make that trip worth it. And I know a lot of people don't think that way. A lot of people measure success by the kill. And that's just not not what we're all about here at Hunting Overtime and with the Seasons Media. We're about the experience, being out there with family and friends, having a good time. Yes, we love the kill. Absolutely we do. We can't lie that, lie about that, but that's not our main goal. Uh, our main goal is to have fun and have a great experience. So one thing going back to that hunt that Chad and I talked about later that we thought was absolutely fantastic, we do love the idea of a base camp like a big camp to come back to gather your stuff things like that and nothing against a, a full-out backpack hunt either like I would I love that as well but if you're going to be hunting a whole bunch of different areas and you have a whole bunch of spots that you want to check out that aren't necessarily close and you don't want to commit yourself to one area having a base camp is a great thing but what we did talk about that we really thought was a great idea that we did on that specific hunt is backpacked in, hunted the evening and the next morning. And we were able to catch both an evening and a morning in a general same area and catch both of those quote unquote prime times, I guess. And learn more about it and be there during those high opportunity times and not have to get up super early in the morning and hike clear back into a place to get away from people or whatever. And I know there's a lot of a lot of talk that you don't have to hike that far back cuz everybody's going that far back, but it all depends I think where you're at and it's very dependent on many different factors, but we really enjoyed the idea of being able to, that sun went down, it got dark, instead of having to hike clear out, drive to camp, make dinner, eat dinner, and then go to bed, and then get up early, if you want a little breakfast, have a little breakfast, drive to your spot, hike back in there. It just made more sense to us to, if you're going back, especially if you're going back into the same spot, obviously if you're not going back into the same spot, things could change, but if you have any intent or any desire to go back into the same spot, just taking your stuff back in there, even if you're just staying for one night, taking your stuff back in there, you save yourself so much energy and time that it makes it well worth it, and you, if you get a if you can get a good sleep in the backcountry, this is definitely the way to do it because we got, I don't even know, you probably get up an hour early, 
if you want breakfast, you have to leave an hour early. If you want breakfast, that's another probably half hour. So you probably get up an hour and a half early. I bet by the time you get back to camp and have supper and stuff, you got two hours. So you're looking at three and a half extra hours of downtime. Up to three and a half extra hours, which is unreal to think about because... Three and a half extra hours, whether if that's just three and a half extra hours of sleep, you want to talk about being rejuvenated. Like that's gonna help you out tenfold in the elk woods. So that's just something to think about that we thought was a great idea. Hiking back in there in the early afternoon, hunting it, going right to bed, eating, going right to bed, you're able to sleep in a little bit have a little breakfast, and then go out and hunt. So we thought that was fantastic. But anyways, that's all I've got for you. I got kids. I got to get to bed. So I'm going to head out of here. Thank you, everybody, for listening. This is Brian Shoning with Hunting Overtime. And make sure you hit that subscribe. Hit, find us on YouTube where the season's media. We got some awesome videos coming to you this season. So check those out. Hit the subscribe there. Get at us on Instagram at the Seasons Media. Thanks for listening, everybody, and I'll catch you on the. In- wow, that was a bad outro. Thanks for listening, everybody. I will catch you on the next episode.